Welcome to the Recruitment Rollercoaster Podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz, and this is the show where I bring to life the true failures, the true successes, and the true learnings from recruiters and recruitment business owners. My mission is for this podcast to become the place for recruiters to learn from others and to give a real insight into what it's like to work in the industry so those considering a career in recruitment know exactly what they're getting into. Welcome to the Recruitment Rollercoaster Podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz, and today I'm in uh, nice and early, um, and I'm joined by the wonderful Anila Chowdhury. Uh, I did pronounce that right, didn't I? You did. Yeah, you perfect. Did. <laughs> who is currently a team lead for a global IT recruitment business who has specialised in the Microsoft technology space for the last seven, eight years. Yeah. That was all right, wasn't it? That, that was perfect. perfect. What a great intro. Amazing. I was just practising for the last two minutes. Um, <laughs> so, um, look, Anila, as, as I was just saying, where, where I always, always love to start is um, how the hell did you get into recruitment? Let, let's start there and, and talk about that story because not only are you American, <laughs> yeah. but let's start there. Let's start there. How did you get into recruitment? Well, first I'll apologize for my accent. Um, no, just kidding. Don't apologize. Uh, <laughs> so I had no idea what recruitment was, graduated from college in the States, and basically it was a terrible economy, markets crashed, nobody can get a job. Really? It's 2 a.m., I'm on Craigslist, and I see something that says... What is know, Craigslist? You know, you can like buy and sell furniture, yeah, yeah, yeah. you can find apartments, like okay. just anything. So it's like Gumtree. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, okay. And I guess back in like, I don't know, 2010 era was like a much bigger thing. Really? Okay. And it's about 2 a.m. I'm applying for every job under the sun, have no idea what I want to do. And I see something that says, uh, make 100K in your first year oh, sales. <laughs> Classic. And I applied. Is that literally what the job ad said? Literally, yeah. It was like, make 100K in your first year. Oh my God. Uh, Doing what? I don't know. Like cleaning floors, maybe. Obviously, 100K drew you in. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I went for an interview um, with a company who's now absolutely massive, called um, Frank Recruitment Group. At the oh, time, wow. they were called Nigel Frank. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was like 10 people in what looked like, if you've ever seen the movie Boiler Room, Yeah. it was just like guys in suits on the phone. Really? Had no idea what it was. Was you the first girl? First no, the, they, they had a couple of girls okay, there, cool. but and they were in like really nice you know, dresses, yeah, and yeah. these guys just looked like straight out of a movie, like very Wolf of Wall Street, pre the actual movie Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> um, and I came in, I interviewed, and they just told me how much money I could make. That's all they hammered home. Like, that's it. Especially when you're coming out of college, right? Because yeah. you're going to be in some serious debt. Yes. So um, it's just like money, 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 money. That's all they said. And they're just like, oh, you have a great personality. You'll do really well. And my director there was British. And my dad's English. And okay. I was born here. and grew up in the States. And turns out the company's based in Newcastle, where my family's from. Oh, that's cool. So we just talked about that for 20 minutes. Yeah. They called me back that afternoon, offered me the position, and I signed a contract and started on Monday. Wow, that's exciting. Yeah. Okay, cool. So um, before, before that point, you accepted, so literally you had no perception of recruitment whatsoever. I thought it was like an HR function that like I'd be helping people get jobs, yeah. and I kind of didn't understand how I was making that much yeah. money. Because how, how is... Because from what I understand, and the American people that I've spoken to is like recruitment is is perceived in a different way in, over in the states, right? It's it's more of a credible position or more of a credible industry than it, it definitely is perceived here in the UK. Is that a fair assumption or? Yeah, absolutely. I think when I thought of recruitment, it was more of an HR function. Number one, really, um, yeah. there's 
it's a much more le- like less of a salesy role, really. Mm, it's just helping of, people. Yeah, it's like helping people. They don't emphasize the BD side. <laughs> Most American agencies are split 180, yeah, which oh, is yeah, also different. Mm. And then, you know, in the last sort of, I guess, decade, it's been like the British invasion. And we guys, we kicked you guys out and then you came right back yeah, <laughs> with yeah, your yeah. recruitment agency. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, let, let's break down those first couple of years, I'm sure always like to do. So how, obviously, you got told how much money you're going to make. How did you do in your first year? Um, really well. I don't remember exactly what I built, but I know it was close to 200K. Really? Yeah. That's not fucking bad, is it? I didn't know it wasn't bad because we didn't get targets. There was no like, really? you have to hit this number. It was like, just do two deals a month. Really? And I think I was, I probably did about more, closer to like one, one and a half. Yeah. If you average it out, deals yeah, yeah. a month. And lunch clubs, um, club trips. Uh, they used to read our paychecks out at our desk when it was payday. What? And it would be like, you know, Michael, base, like Dan, 20K. And really? Yeah. It's mental. It was the wildest experience. I mean, I'm still friends with a lot of people that I worked with and a lot of people that I worked with are still there. I spent four years there. Yeah. But my first year was all at the best team lead they were dominating the space. We were money making money hand over fist. It was yeah. like we used to throw cash around at the office. Like it was it was Fucking an insane hell. environment. That is yeah. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so that I mean, you definitely uh, did better than I did because I built twenty four k in my first year. You know what? I heard you <laughs> say that in your last podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I just oh, look. I think there's no point being trying to lie about it. So many recruiters out there will just lie about how much like they made. It's like what what what's the point? Um, so okay, that's really interesting. Well, look, let's let's talk a bit about that because I think in the UK market, yeah. if you have if you do a two hundred k, that's seen as you're doing you're doing quite well, right? But to do that in your first year, so was you was it was it was you just delivery or was no, you getting no, clients we, as well from day one? Or they didn't have a delivery team at the time. Everybody was three sixty. Okay, and if you don't if you don't have the fear of BD because you just assume it's a part of your job, you don't get as paralyzed going into okay, it. Okay, that's interesting. Um, I think, especially here coming so here... So what you're saying is if people know that BD, business development and client acquisition is part of their job, what, from day one? Yeah. Then when it gets to that point, yeah, no, that's really interesting, actually. You just pick up the phone. You don't even question it. And we were really taught, don't look up at clients and CIOs like they're in these high positions. Don't put them on a pedestal. Exactly. Yeah. You are See, on I'll par with, with that. that at the start. But again, it's because I had like three, four months of delivery. Right. And then it was like, right, client time. And then it was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. That's scary. Yeah. But paralysis no, right. by analysis. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah. no that's, <laughs> that's really interesting, actually. I like how the way that you've put that. Um, so 360 from day one. Yeah. And you went straight into the Microsoft yeah. tech space. What? Okay. Tech, tech. I mean, there's so many tech recruiters out there. Yeah. Right. So I guess firstly... Did you do, how did you get up to, because there'll be a lot of people listening who might, are in the tech space and might maybe a year, two years in, like, how did you get up to speed with what's going on and those things? Like, how did you learn about the space and understand the people that you're, you're speaking to? So we had a really good training program and they taught us the technology, but the biggest thing was it was just get on the phone and ask your candidates everything. And because there was such an emphasis on no fear, no fear, like you're the wolf, you know, they're the lamb. Yeah, that you kind of just You're the wolf, they're the lamb. Yeah. Like for everyone. (laughs) Oh my I was like, wow, twenty four walking around like I own the place, you know, just swinging. Yeah. So yeah, it was um so we were really lucky, but for me personally, I just read everything I could. I was on every Wikipedia page nice. just googling things all so the you time. had that within you from day one like to to take your own time and just do as much as you can to give you the best possible chance 
Well, do. yeah. I mean, I think because I really messed about in uni and didn't oh, really? study that hard and yeah. all my friends were like in med school and law school, I felt like, no, I'm going to be rich. Like I just really? told all my friends, no, I'm going to be really rich guys. Really? And I was such just a, like I had a terrible desire to be successful that I didn't mm. care. And I was still average. I mean, there were a, people there their first year who were doing a lot more than me, really? a lot more than me. Mm. And so I had it in me that like, I wanted to be the best, mm. never quite got there. But if you, you know, shoot for the moon, you've land amongst the stars, all yeah, that cheesy yeah, stuff. Yeah. So no, definitely. Okay, cool. So another thing on, um, on that bit, then I'll get, I'll get quite a few questions around it, around it is, um, yeah. So you've already, like BD is, is, is a challenge for a lot of people, right? It's right. quite scary. So I guess any advice, you've already mentioned one thing, but any other advice around the BD part where if someone is a bit early on to help them get over that fear or et cetera? Because obviously if you're getting it drilled, obviously I don't think there's many people now saying you're, you're the wolf and everyone else is the lamb. Recruitment's <laughs> <laughs> so no, changed in the yeah, almost exactly. decade I've been doing yeah, it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So no, one, no one's drilling that home from day one. Do you know what I mean? So like, have you got, obviously through now your whole, whole experiences, have you got any, have you got any like advice for people to get over that fear of picking up the phone to, to clients and prospecting and those things? Yeah, I would say uh, call really high level executives as candidates. Nice. So, and that way, get them on side, speak to them, find out what's happening in their own job search, or get them to talk about, oh, what are you doing That's in your position? Smart. Yeah, I've done that before, it works. It works really well. Because all of a sudden, well. you're stroking their ego and going, oh, yes, I have this 120K job. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the biggest thing is that it's human nature to get your guard up when you feel like you're being sold to. Yes. You know, when anybody comes up to you trying to sell you something, immediately you're on the back foot, right? For me, I'm not, but everyone else, the reason why I'm not, it's <laughs> like I'm, I'll always give time when I'm not in a rush or anything for the people on the street who are selling stuff just because I fully respect what they're doing yeah but I totally obviously yeah everyone is that's is, unique yeah. I'll be honest but no but I totally get what you mean that doesn't mean I'm, I like to be sold to because at the end of their sales pitch I'm like look I just want to give you some time and I'm not going to give you any money yeah. <laughs> but well, I totally I totally, res- totally respect what you're doing do you want a job in recruitment <laughs> but no um no yeah I totally get that yeah everyone's got their guard up if you're trying to sell to them yeah yeah and then also um speak to candidates who work at that company and then just find out about what's going on. For me, mm. I always just look for three pain points within the business. Nice. So even if someone's not hiring, if you go to any business, Hoxo, for example, yeah. and someone identifies three areas that you guys... Business challenges. Yeah, business challenges. Yeah, that's smart. It's easier to go in with the sell. And I never used to call and just be like, oh, are you hiring? Yeah. It was always like, I have a candidate and I heard you have an issue with So you're expecting a candidate. Yeah. Yeah, that, I always just got a lot more success with that. Yeah. Okay, that's really smart. So basically what you're saying is leverage your candidate network, which are a lot more, or leverage a candidate who's going to be a lot more receptive because you're not selling to them, you're helping them because you exactly. could potentially get them a salary increase or a new job or whatever. Yeah. And then leverage that in a certain way. And you have a reason for the call. You're providing yeah. them something as opposed to asking the them thing, for something. The thing is, a reason for the call is always... Yeah. It's, it's always difficult, that part, isn't it? Yeah. And I think the biggest, and we can probably get into this more, but the biggest difference is with US recruitment, um, I was just a lot more direct. It wasn't like, really? oh, how are you? This is who I am. Straight this is my point. background. They're, they don't care who I am. I'm 24 years old. What do I know? Yeah. I was like, I'm calling you because I know you need this. I have really? this. Do you want it? No? Okay. okay. When are you going to want it? That's interesting. They used to make us sell a pen in our job interview. Shut up. I swear in my life. Oh my God. That's cringe. Yeah, I know. It's it's so old school. And I remember when he asked me to sell him the what, pen. What, this is actually in your interview process? In in my interview. I only interviewed with our head of America. So what's going on here? Like, did they watch the Wolf of Wall Street? It wasn't, wasn't even out, out yet. It wasn't no. out then. Like, what the fuck is going on? 
<laughs> it was so old school. And when I started interviewing people, I used to ask them to show me a pen. I really? swear, because you learn yeah, based yeah. off, you know, what you had to, the hoops you oh, had to jump through. So. Show me this pen. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I did okay. terrible, by the way. I definitely really? failed it. They said they'd never hire me if I did it again. <laughs> I never would have gotten hired a recruitment <laughs> Okay, cool. So um, she was there for, did you say five years? Uh, four, yeah, just four years. Four years, years. Yeah. okay. I think I saw on your LinkedIn, so you, did you start in New York and then you went to Texas? No, so I was in New York the whole time. Texas was the market that I did. Okay. And when I was with um, Nigel Frank, they were only one office in, in New York. Oh, we were, right, there okay. was like 20 of us. We were like 120 people globally. Really? And I think now they're like 2,000, so... Um, it's, I, you know, I, I was there for a long time, still consider it kind yeah, of yeah, where, I, where I grew up in recruitment. So throughout that period until you left and come to the UK, yeah. was you always a billing consultant or was you a manager at some point or was you always just a billing consultant? I, I got up to principal because principal team lead being sort of the same level and they were like, well, what do you want? And I was like, money. Really? <laughs> They're like, then you stay billing. Really? So I got up to principal, but I was, I was overseeing a team of sort of five and so helping like mentor, out my manager. A bit yeah. more than mentoring. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Exactly. And what, how long was you doing that for? Just uh, probably about a year. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So towards the end. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk a bit about before then. Right. Was you a good biller? I, I think I was a good biller, but looking back now, I could have been a lot better. I okay. think I let a lot of things distract me and sidetrack me. And really? Yeah. You put your feet up a little bit. You're making enough money and it's like, oh, I could do more work and make more or I could do the bare yeah, minimum. Yeah. What is, what is the, what's the best year that you've had? I was just shy of 400. Really? Yeah. It's not bad, is it? It's okay. It's okay. And that was in um, the America, when you was in America? Yeah, that was when I was in America. Okay, yeah. okay cool. Well, let, let's talk a bit about that. So clearly you've had an increase in what you've done mm-hmm. but you you also looking back in hindsight realize actually i could have made i could have built even more than that yeah so let, let's break down that a bit firstly what do you put down like what sort of things and you uh, did you change or did you start to realize if you did more of that enabled you to increase your billings or increase the out the the, the success that you wanted yeah i think the biggest thing is when you start having a little bit of success it's very easy to put your feet up and do the bare minimum because you're getting pretty good results. Yeah. And I'm not great at self-motivating when it comes to sales. I kind of really? need somebody hovering over me a little bit. Yeah. That, and I was used to that old school micromanagement, a manager being like, what are you doing now? What are you doing now? Get oh, on the phone. That. Get on the phone. Everyone hates it. I'm probably one of few recruiters who are like, I love that. And is that because it keeps you on the path that you need yeah, to be on? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So the biggest thing for me, for anybody out there, that is struggling at all is find out what kind of management you need and ask for it. If you go mm. to your manager and say, listen, micromanagement doesn't work. It's demotivating for me. And then you're getting good results. They'll get off your back. But I used to go to my manager and you need to be all over me. You really? know, if you see me just sitting around or taking 10 coffee breaks in the day, you need to come grab my ass. and yeah, sit yeah, me yeah, down. Yeah. Yeah. So you're just quite so, easily distracted. Yeah. Like you have the worst ADD that you'll have. Really? Yeah. Like, what were we talking about? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. So that, that's interesting then. So that, that, I think that's really good advice. So um, right now, look at how you are being managed. And also, I think a big part of that, obviously, is management, but then also being, hold, being held accountable, isn't it? Because a lot of the time now, there's also... There is, is that even management is a challenge now, isn't it? It's like, oh, I can't be a micromanager. Or I can't do this. I can't do that. Mm-hmm. But if I if I'm if I'm a biller, then it's like again, it's like being willing to ask for help, isn't it? So yeah. it's like right, okay. So I, I achieved this this year, but I want to get to the next level. Um, obviously, that is going to come from me. However, who can help me get there? So I think that's really good advice. Look around your office. If it is your manager, if it is the the biller that you've always looked up to, absolutely. Then make sure that they know that you want that help or 
to essentially hold you accountable and, and understand where they can see your blind spots. Do you know what I mean? I think, I think that's really good advice. So make sure that you've got the right management and ask yeah. for it, right? Yeah. Anything else? Um, and one thing I didn't do, which now in hindsight I wish I had, was um, I'm extremely competitive. So if someone does better than me, I just kind of shut down and want to compete with them. Whereas I wish I'd gone to some of those guys who were billing a million dollars plus and been like, what are you doing? Because I so want to do, do that. that. I didn't do that because I just had a big ego and just thought, well, no. Really? Like, I, don't, I don't need to ask you anything. You think, yeah, you, think was, you knew it all? I, yeah, I was young. I was in my 20s and I just did not want to ask somebody For or help. admit that, oh, you, you're way better than me. Really? <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. I think if, if, you, uh, if you're uh, like the old Anila, quit it. <laughs> just stop it. Stop. Don't be a loser. Yeah, don't. I think, I think no, I think that's fair enough. Obviously, we'll probably talk a bit about how how you come to realize that and those things. But I think, again, it's good. You have to have that humility. And I, yeah. I think I, I've always quite easily, um, I mean, well, it was easy for me to have that at the end of year one because I'm fucking out. What else? <laughs> there's, got, I've got, there's got to be something better here. What else can I be doing? <laughs> but if you're doing well, I think that it's been a common common theme when I've asked people, when I've asked people, um, when they've done really well or when uh, they've seen people in their business who are a million pound billies or whatever, it's like, what are some of the common things that you see in them? And it is that they they don't think they're the best. They don't yeah. think that obviously um, the world evolves around them and yeah. those things. So I think if you are listening, then as, as quickly as you can, like make sure that you're comfortable with asking for help. Absolutely. Because it's only going to ben- benefit you and your career, right? So... Make sure you get managed right and ask for the right management that you want. Yeah. And then also be willing to ask the people around you that are at the level that you want to be or whatever, right? And, exactly. And be willing to say, what are you doing? Or have you got any advice for me? You see what I do every day or whatever. Yeah. Um, any advice for me, yeah? Yeah. And then I guess the third thing would be, I worked in an environment where we were not allowed to be creative. So I never put out like interesting content okay. or repost a, an article that I saw that related to my industry. And I think that that is something that candidates are looking for even more now. Yeah, we'll than, get into that. Yeah, let's, let's really talk about that because again, as you know, it's something I'm really passionate about. So the other, so what I also wanted to ask is, so then when you got to that piece where you was um, started managing, mm-hmm. did you want that then? So you said you just wanted money. Yeah, I I was really unsure of what pushed, I wanted. You wasn't sure. Yeah, I wasn't sure, and I probably should have spent more time asking what the both paths look like, yeah. and and which one made sense, and which one um, I could do for a little while and move into. I just kind of listened to whoever I was like, okay, we're gonna put you in this, and I was like, yeah, okay, uh, yeah. So I moved markets. Seems like the natural progression, doesn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I moved markets, moved to another team because I was like, well, that's like a promotion, as opposed to thinking, you know, this one market, you do really well in it. Stay mm. in it, manage, move up. So, it was, so it was in a, hindsight, would you have took that? Would you would have would you have took that job again? No, no, really? I, would have, I would have I would have stayed doing what I was doing. So let, let's talk a bit about that because I know there's a lot of people who are listening to this who uh, end up at that crossroads, right? It's like okay, so I've been bit, I've been a really good biller now for the last two, three, four years mm-hmm. in this market. It's really going now. However, my boss is saying, well, why don't you start building a team around you and those things, right? Mm-hmm. So what, what, through your experience, so do you manage people now? Yeah. Okay, cool. So through your experiences then, like how can you, any advice on someone to try and help them make the right decision? Obviously you're prone to not make the right decision mm-hmm. and you're not going to know until maybe you try it. Mm-hmm. However, anything that 
people could benefit from to try and make sure that they make the right decision if they come to that sort of cross part the, the the cross paths yeah absolutely i think in that sort of situation where there's a fork in the road and you can go in either direction really sit down with whoever mm-hmm. is leading you your team leader your manager and ask them to describe what both paths look like mm. because a lot of people will leave billing really quickly after two years of doing well thinking oh well, i've done well so managers ne- just naturally yeah. the next progression and it's not always i mean you're if you want to have a long career in recruitment i mean you can be billing for 40 years if you want yeah, yeah. and i think people just think oh in order for me to move up i have to move into management and yeah. that's not always the case yeah. that's a mistake i made mm. i took it on before i was ready and then i hated it and went back and kind of stumbled my way through it really so i think the best thing to do is sit down, see what you like and see what you're good at. And there's not just two paths. You can be an account manager. You can yeah. uh, do different things. It's not just billing, not billing. And that's yeah. why you have a recruitment. And is there anything around, surely you, you want to, I, I didn't get to that point, but my manager used to talk to me about being open to management and all that, those things. But I think, I think, I don't think it's good advice to have someone, if it's your manager or whoever, be honest with you and say, this is why I think you have these strengths or I think yeah. you'd be a good manager because yeah. cause if if he's telling you Anila I think you'll be a good manager because of this and you're like no no that that's totally wrong I'm, I'm not actually strong there exactly. do, do you know what I mean I think yeah. there's got to be a honest conversation of one this is what it looks like yeah. yeah, you are. You might get a higher base, or you might be able to earn more. However, this is all the shit that comes with it. This is all the new shit that comes with it. Exactly. And then it's and then it's like, okay, but also this is why I think you'd be great at it. Yeah. And then if that doesn't resonate with you, and you're like, you know what? Actually, he's right. He's got a point, or she's got a point. Then yeah, you, I think that that that's probably a fair. I think the biggest thing that that uh, is every recruiter's biggest takedown is ego. So I want to get into manager because of the title. Really? Because of I thought it was like a more powerful What's going position. going on this head of yours? I know. It's just like, but you know what? I like to be who honest with people. To, who was you trying to compete with? Like, <laughs> No, I just thought, well, I was really career oriented and I just really? assumed if you're, if you're good at billing, if you're not getting promoted to manager, that must mean you're like yeah. lacking a but skill. It sounds like you had a point to prove. Who was you trying to prove? <laughs> Probably myself, honestly. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fair enough. But I think any good recruiter does have a little bit of that ego in them that's like, I have to be the best. Yeah. And that's what drives you, especially in like dry months or a bad year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. a bad company you went well, I to. think it's important you've got to have standards right you've yeah. got to have high standards I think t- I totally agree but it just seems like you constantly <laughs> through these early years just really wanted to to beat everyone listen I made all the mistakes so everyone listening can really? learn from my mistakes be smart really <laughs> yeah I, I can admit that. my faults I'm a big girl cool so you um so you got into management yeah five people and uh, talk to me a bit about that then. Cause, so you said you hated it. Why did you, why did you hate well, Did you hate that period? No, it wasn't that I hated that period. I think I just, um, my sweet spot was, was billing. And I liked doing that because I could see numbers on the board and I yeah. could validate my success. Whereas I think I'd struggled to do a job that wasn't uh, quantified. Mm. because then how do you really say if you're doing a good job or not if your team is happy well if they're not billing anything but you're really nice to them you yeah, know it's hard, isn't like it? we're not running a charity here yeah, 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 <laughs> it yeah. has to be that perfect mix and I was probably a little young and a little naive and, and not um, professionally or personally mature enough uh, to do that really? and I let my ego run me a little bit and go okay I, I mean 
the team and I got along well, so it's not like the ego ran the team, but taking the position in the first place. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. in hindsight now... So you took it from the, coming from the wrong place. Yeah, I took it from the wrong place. Your, yeah. heart, your heart really needs to be in what you're doing. Management is a totally different thing than just billing and being a billing manager, as we all know, yeah, is did, the hardest job in recruitment. Yeah, yeah. So did, did your billings take a hit then when you did that? Oh, yeah, totally. It took a hit. And every time the team would do a deal, I was really happy for them, but I was like, You're I, jealous. I want to be do- hitting the gong. Man. Yeah, really? I want to be hitting the gong. Yeah, but it's okay to admit that. And the yeah, thing yeah, is, yeah, I course. should have gone to my manager and just said, hey, you know what? You I realized, yeah, I just want to, you know, I just want to be billing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> so then, so then, okay. And then after, so then, uh, and then after that, you come to the UK. Yeah. So what happened was one of my old directors uh, and I were chatting and she was like, listen, you have a British passport. Like, why don't you just move to London? Mm. And literally, I remember this. My dad over here is a cell die. I said to my dad, well, dad, I'm, I'm moving to London. And my dad's like, why? Because Michelle told you to move to London. You're just going to pack up and move to London. And I told him, watch within three months, I'll be there. And then I flash forward and I was in a car with him driving to JFK with my life's belongings in three suitcases moving to london really yeah that was it i mean like hand on heart that was the truth yeah wow. three that's, months that's, that's interesting and obviously you've never lived lived here before right not or, since i was like yeah, seven yeah, yeah i mean spent 20 years in the states so. okay so then now let, let's frame it up a bit because i think a lot of people can get a lot of value through you being the lights are just flickering yeah <laughs> I, I, know. I was like I was is this on purpose no, no, back on. um <laughs> then let's okay so then now you are so how how big is your team now that you manage so i'm building out uss from scratch so right now okay, it's just perfect. me but i will be hiring onto the team and growing that yeah, out yeah really, okay really cool quickly. so so basically as you said so now you're still in the us market um after doing uk and europe for for two years so i left oh. i left the us market for two years oh, that right, was okay, the whole okay. point of moving here oh. was my whole reason for moving to the uk was um, London is the most saturated recruitment market, most mature recruitment market in the world. Yeah. If I can come here and compete with the best recruiters in the world, then I'm going to be so much better when it comes time to go back to, the, go US. Back to the US. That's interesting. And it kicked my ass. Really? Totally. Let's talk about that then. So I think that's because <laughs> what, what I think, because I think, well, I think it's fair to say that I've spoken to a lot of recruiters recently in recruitment businesses that, that are looking to, um, set up in america right yep everyone is. and um i think um a lot of people are taking the approach of the the, the incubator model right yep. so essentially what that is is you let's say if, over the next six months you're going to focus on the u.s market but you're going to service it and deliver it from the uk mm-hmm. right so i think let's talk a bit about so let's talk a bit about why it did kick your ass and why yeah. it was obviously very difficult yeah. but then let's talk about your sort of perspective of the different nuances of the american market to the uk market the europe market and what the difference are because sure. i think that is i think where some people really curious is how do people feel about me making play? I mean, a lot of people didn't now anyway in the, in the EU markets and those things yeah. from the UK, right? But I guess how, how do uh, the US market take it that I'm a UK recruit in UK, placing American people and those things, right? So why, why was it so difficult then, the, the, the last couple of years? Yeah, I think the biggest thing was uh, I only knew how to do recruitment in one really specific way. And we were really indoctrinated with this is how you do recruitment. There's no deviating from the process and that's it. And then when I came here, I was trying that approach. And I think 
because I had London as my market, not just like all of the UK, um, it's very PSL driven. Um, there's mm. a lot of HR function and responsibility, which I was like, what is HR? Like, I'm really? not even, I've never spoken to an HR person. Like, really? Yeah. A lot of like, so oh, what, do would you, you go straight to the hiring manager? Always. Always. Yeah. Always. And I could not believe how much in the pocket of HR they were. Well, I can't talk to you, but I was really? like, but you need this candidate. I have the candidate. I don't understand what's like, literally my brain could not understand why he was saying no. Wow. I know that to, to a lot of people listening might be like, that sounds ridiculous. Like, no, no, that, that's interesting. That's really interesting insight. <laughs> I didn't know. And I just constantly kept getting in trouble. And my CEO was like getting calls, like, cause I was pissing people off. Left really? <laughs> yeah. Really? And, um, learning to like take HR people out for like a coffee. I was like, but why? Yeah. What, it, what are we going to like, just kind of, Sitting down, shooting the shit. Like, I didn't understand that concept. I was like, yeah. no, I just want to make money. You've been pretty direct all the time. Yeah. yeah. And so that was a real learning curve. Um, I got a lot of people who um, were like, well, are you in America? Like, where, where are you? Where are you calling really? from? I was like, no, I'm down the street. <laughs> like, I'm in the city in London. <laughs> um, and then also, it's such a saturated market that I would speak to a candidate, think I had like a great, you know, rapport building conversation, call them two days later, and they'd be like, who are you? Because like 30 recruiters had called them in that time. That's really interesting. And I could not comprehend that. And it wasn't that. like that in America? No, not at all. Really? Oh my God, not like so different. We can get into the details about that, but there are so many things. I even wrote them down because I was like, I talk about that for like an hour. How nuanced and different the market is. Really? But, okay, so you, uh, you've been used to just going being direct. Yeah. Not uh, pussyfooting around HR and yeah. making friends and all yeah. that when really you're just like... Are you hiring? Yeah. Yes, I've got this person. Yeah, what yeah. are friends? Like? <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. And then also, yeah, I, I mean, look, it makes sense that I think if I was a candidate in the market, <laughs> I mean, how often do you get an American person call you, right? An American accent if you're yeah. in the UK, not, not very often. Very, very thick New York accent. That's, that's what I mean. So <laughs> no, I get that. Um, okay, cool. Was there anything else or was that? Um, yeah, I and think. And then also, sorry, you said that the fact that you speak to a candidate who got the right skill set and know, you feel like you build a relationship with them. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, fuck, he's spoken to like 5, 10, 15 other recruiters. Yeah. And the, the thing I wasn't also used to is kind of being treated like, like a like a like car salesman like not yeah, that there's yeah, anything yeah. wrong with that but like that that mentality of you're just selling me something yeah your job is not a value and was that from candidates and clients yeah like like kind of like i was just this annoyance that was calling whereas in the states i felt like i was recruiters are treated much more like a real function that add value wow. and so yeah i think from a not just an ego perspective, but like a career perspective. I was like, well, this is weird. But really, it made me such a better recruiter because really? I, was, I was forced to adapt, right? And it's mm. not about what you're doing. I was going to say, what did you do to adapt? Um, well, I, I sat down with anybody, you know, any L&D person within the business that could help me. And I was like, what am I doing wrong? And it's really hard um, for some people to take criticism. I, I struggle oh, with it. I need it. Yeah. This <laughs> <laughs> is beat up Anila day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I just forced them to tell me, you know, what was just wrong with the calls. Yeah, be, be honest. How to market map, um, how to get around, how to handle the objections that I'd never heard before. Yeah, yeah. Because an objection like, oh, this is the wrong candidate or not the right skill set. Well, okay, then what is the right skill set? But an, an objection like you have the right candidate, but I'm still not going to work with you. Oof, that's annoying, isn't it? 
Uh, that one's I mean, tough. You haven't been used to that. I'm not. I'm probably still not used to yeah, that. Yeah, it's so annoying, isn't it? Yeah, so that was a struggle, definitely. Okay, yeah. cool. So let, let's talk a bit more about that then. So you've learned through that. So then, again, how, how, how has your performance been then over the last two years? Like, obviously, you went from 400K. Yeah. So the the first year doing the UK um, was definitely a struggle. I think what helped me was um, because I was still doing Microsoft Dynamics. I knew the product so well yeah, that I was able. Yeah, I was able to build credibility with some more senior candidates, and I was just like relentless. Like I would stay till ten o'clock in the office, like really? emailing. Yeah. Did, sorry, is it contract you do or perm? No, so I do perm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah which is. Um, I don't know. I, I personally think maybe a little bit harder yeah. um, from, a candidate, perm, yeah. Yeah, from a candidate perspective mm. because they, they're not just going to like answer a job advert or they have the recruiters they like working with. Yeah, Where yeah. I think with a contractor, if you have a great opportunity, they're like, I don't care which recruiter it comes from. I'm yeah. going to go take the like best contract. If it's like 50, 100 quid more a day or whatever. Exactly. They're much more money driven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, you so quantify. Did your perform, obviously your performance take hit then as oh, well? Oh, yeah, yeah. I think it definitely would have. I, I still, I mean, my directors would say I had a good first year. I hit my target. Really? So it was, what was that then? It was 150. I did a, a little bit over that. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Somewhere between like 150, 170 um, pounds. And so... You know, if I hit my target and all that, I thought yeah, I thought yeah, I was yeah. okay. But then they switched me to the German market. Really, that was really tough. <laughs> really, why did they do that? Um, bigger fees and just thought mm. like, oh, this is great. Like, we'll just put you in a market and we'll just double your billings. Not quite the way it went. Really, it's hard. What, what was because I know what was difficult about that? Um, language barrier, and then already being an American doing the UK market, even though it's the same language, there is a massive cultural barrier. Yeah. Um, and then moving to a, a country where the language is completely different. The customs are totally different. Mm. Although Germans are considered very direct, I really struggled to build rapport and I was like a bull in a china shop. Really? Yeah, it was tough. <laughs> I, only, I only lasted eight months. Really? <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. So I guess let's, let's break that down a bit before we go into um, the nuances of sort of the, the UK EU market you've experienced to the yeah. American market. Because sure. I, think, I think that's uh, really valuable. So I guess through, through that time then, I think... There's probably a lot of UK recruiters who predominantly listen to this that have gone through all of what you've experienced, right? And it's, it's, I mean, look, it's fucking tough, isn't it? <laughs> it's fucking difficult, right? Difficult, yeah. So I guess through that then, it seems like you're a bit more aware of ego, happy to, yeah. to take um, constructive criticism and these things. So what, what, did you, what have you learned coming from America to then the UK market that what did, you, what did you really learn through that adaptation and these things, right? Talk a bit about that. I think that'd be interesting. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me was um, learning how to fail. Um, okay. I always had a really uh, narrow view of failure as you've, you've messed this up. You've, oh, really? Yeah, you've completely, you suck at this and now it's time to get out. Um, and obviously I didn't have that option. I've been doing recruitment for like seven years. So yeah, I wasn't yeah. just going to go get a new job. Yeah, yeah. Um, so learning how to fail, ask, really having to go ask for help and say, mm. this is not working. And it was the first time I went and I just told my director, I cannot do the German market. This is not for me. I'm not happy doing this. And it's making me fall out of love with recruitment. Yeah. Can I switch my market? I didn't think I had that option. Really? Because I, again, spent four years at a company. Yeah, because you think you'd fail. Yeah. You think you failed if you did that. I just thought I was going to get fired. Yeah. And they were like, not, they weren't like that at all. It was like, okay, we yeah. understand. What can we do to help? So again, it comes back to being willing to ask for help. Yeah, I think that's the, the number one lesson. And, and moving markets or saying something's not working for you does not mean you failed at it. Yeah, it, yeah. it just means it wasn't right for you. I think, again, right you've got to be you. honest, haven't you? I mean, look, recruitment's a fucking hard job. And if you're, 
if you're doing it in in a market or whatever that you're that's new that's new to you again or whatever and you're really not enjoying it then I think yeah speak up about it otherwise you'll be prone to getting a message from a rector rec and then just (laughs) moving job I don't know do you know what I mean then you're a lot more prone to to those types of things I think um, a lot of times people do just switch companies because they think oh well I don't like this market and realistically a lot of times the market can work for you if you change your methods but the number one thing is you have to really want to do it and it's also okay to not want to do a particular market you're allowed to say no I don't want to do this and which I didn't I should have said no from the very beginning Mm. but I I blame that on myself and and nobody else and it's okay to say yeah I, I Oh shit! Yeah, I didn't yeah. do a good job. I yeah, can admit that's that. Fair yeah, cool. Let's um, let's talk about the um, the different nuances then, because I think uh, hope, hopefully a lot of people that are listening uh, will, will get a lot from that. So, from your perspective, then being a, being obviously growing up in America, yeah, recruiting in the American market, what what are some of the biggest differences that that obviously the difference between the UK recruit being a UK recruiter recruiting in the UK and the EU market compared to recruiting in the American market? You hear no a lot less. Sorry? You, you hear the word no a lot less. Like oh, any, really? Any time. Oh, we do love that. <laughs> now that I've come back to doing the U.S. market, the biggest thing is anytime I message, I can send like the worst, most, you know, like uncreative message really? to somebody. Like, hi, I heard you're looking for new opportunities. They're like, hi, Neela. Yeah, I'm free at Fucking 3 p.m. Like, is that actually the case? <laughs> swear on my oh, life. Oh, my God. It is like, I mean, a world of difference. And what's funny is I spoke to a candidate the other day um, that was saying, oh, it's so funny to speak to American. I just get calls from all these British guys. Really? Which made me laugh because it was not like that five years ago at all. Really? So there's like a British invasion, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. But um, yeah, so I think so a lot people more are more friendly. receptive. People are much more receptive. Um, you don't need to go uh, through HR. I mean, there are definitely big companies where you have to do that. But typically, if you do go directly to line and you're adding something of value, they will chat with you. Really? Even if you just call to talk about the football game. Oh, the Giants lost last night. Oh, the Giants always lose. But you know what I mean? <laughs> really? Yeah. So it, it, it's nice to also go back. Um, I've always recruited outside the state that I'm actually from. So I'm from New York, but I've never recruited for New York okay. before. So it's not as though you need to be from there. Um, the British recruiters that are calling Americans, I mean, they're really receptive to it because we love your guys' accent. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. don't know the difference between like a posh accent and like, <laughs> one that's really cringe. We're like, oh my God, are you are you from England? Really? <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> oh my God. So then, and then, and then again, and then, so if they're that receptive, have it if a Brit, if a British recruiter can help someone and they're obviously not in America or whatever that that's not a problem. They, they don't care what what location you're based in. There's like very other than the time difference, depending on what yeah, kind of state yeah, you're yeah. recruiting for. There's no real difference, and I think that because it's a really it's not as saturated of a market at all. Mm. Even though you with there's I don't know how many recruitment companies in the U.S. Yeah, no, I think I heard I heard this because I went went to an event not too long ago about it was called Going Global, and I think there's. Mm. Um, don't harm me to this, but I think I think I remember someone saying about forty thousand recruitment businesses in the US. Makes sense. And obviously, how much of a population there is the US? Three hundred fifty million. Yeah, yeah, and in the UK, there's um, around thirty k worth uh, recruitment businesses, and the population is lots more. <laughs> yeah, smaller. exactly. So that that makes sense. Okay, so essentially, what you're saying is people are a lot more receptive, and yeah. I think I think a big part of that. Which is what I get. What we can go into is the perception piece, isn't it? So yeah. why 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 is why why do you think the perception of being a recruitment consultant in in the US is different to the UK? Do you know what I mean? What what's your opinion on that? Because the industry hasn't 
been what it is in the UK for as long in the States. Mm. I think there's still a perception you're, you're um, doing a job that's really of value. Whereas I think in the UK, recruitment's considered a sales job, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the US, it's considered an operations function. Really? Yeah. Mental. So I think that's like the number one thing. I was really having a think about this the other day. And then number two, um, because there are a real mix of like internal recruiters and external recruiters. They're um, called like corporate recruiters. Yeah, like yeah, corporate. they're called corporate, yeah, 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 corporate recruiters. And they make like a lot of money. Really? You know what I mean? It's a very different thing versus a lot of internal recruiters here I see are managing agency PSLs. They're doing their own yeah, recruitment, yeah, yeah, so yeah. not downplaying that. And they're, at all. they're also seen as failed recruiters as well. Failed yeah, which I don't think is a, is a, is a fair analysis no, at no, all. I, I used think... to say that. I definitely used to be like, oh, you can hack it. That's back why you're in the ego days. Yeah, back in the ego days. <laughs> I'm older and wiser. Well, I know about wiser, older, definitely. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Cool. And, and so I think that's the number one difference um, lack of um, big strong 360 agencies out there so I think a lot of candidates get called by delivery people who are just like okay I'll, I'll pass your CV on to an account manager when you speak to somebody who's like no I spoke directly to the CIO this was the feedback no I'm going to do this so there's a lot more power within yeah, a 360 yeah, yeah. recruiter which candidates aren't used to so they really respect that and like okay. that and then to wrap that up then what's if I'm a recruiter right now and I'm recruiting in the the Microsoft Dynamics market and there is, I'm speaking to my clients and there is a real opportunity to get into the US or start making placements in the US. Yeah. What's your advice for people to sort of have the best possible chance of having success there? Uh, First, uh, call me because I'm hiring. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I think the the number one thing I would say is the US is a really, really massive place. You know, 50 states, 350 million people don't pick up jobs just anywhere and try to place into them. You will not do well. Pick one specific geographic area, location, map it out and work that way. That's going to work a lot better for you. And also because the fees are so massive, you don't need a hundred clients. You could have like six buying clients for a year and bill like 350. Mm. So it's, it's, it's such an exciting prospect. And also for any recruitment business that is doing it, you can absolutely build an incubator team from here. Nobody cares where you're based. As long as you're picking up the phone and delivering good candidates, they yeah. do not care and yeah, you, that's don't need, you don't need to be on a PSL that's exciting so those, <laughs> those listening I think that's really good advice because it's I think because the UK mindset is like it is going to be different so then to think actually I can really really just specialise in this particular area mm-hmm. obviously normally if I just specialise in London that is super saturated do you get what I mean whereas obviously in America if it's one particular state Texas or whatever really map that out and then go well actually these 20 companies I want to work for Mm -hmm. and really gun for those Mm -hmm. because as you said if you have 10 to 20 paying clients that you've got really good relationships with and you really just dominate that state then um, you can you can bill very very well and I think with the US also um, building a really strong relationship with your candidates I know this is for everywhere Basics, but. but but especially with candidates I mean I know the name of my candidates kids when it's time yeah, for Little yeah. League who's getting so really, married so I think uh, yeah so I guess what you're saying is the fact that candidates are really receptive like don't take that for granted yeah. like really get to know the people that you're helping and again as I think which will lead us on quite nicely is that that's what people you need to be doing now in the UK and the very saturated market isn't exactly. it that, that's going to be your point of difference if 100%. you you do make the time to connect with these people and just not okay you're looking for a 5k increase in your salary do you get what I mean yeah call people um, back even if they're not the perfect candidate because yeah. eventually they're going to have a skill set yeah, that you yeah. need and they will remember you yeah no I'm, that's that's really good advice cool so okay what I want to go into um now which would be really cool because I know you're super passionate about it is um 
obviously the, the personal branding piece. Yeah. So what's been your experience with that then? And what's been your perception as you've gone on? Because obviously you've been in the recruitment market for nearly a decade now and you went from selling the pen to... Uh, <laughs> Do, to doing to, real deals. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So like, yeah, exactly. So what, what's your perception on it and how are you seeing um, it change and, and how it can help you as a recruiter and, and what your, what's your opinion on it? As recruitment becomes a lot more transactional, especially yeah. in the States, I'll, I'll speak more about the States. I think one of the things that I really did well was, and my, my client, or sorry, my managers used to always laugh and nearly spend an hour talking to one candidate, but I would get really good relationships with candidates. And I've been out of the US market now for over two years. And as I'm coming back and calling candidates and clients, they all remember still me. still remember, yeah. They remember me. And I'm really flattered because I know how many other people call them. And I think that's because I work to build really strong relationships with them, even when they couldn't give me money or something yeah, of value. Yeah, yeah. So and, you took a long-term mindset. Yeah, it was a really long term relationship mindset and um branding whatever brand you decide to take on I kind of took on like recruiter with a heart you know what yeah, I mean yeah. and so that was my approach to any call that I would make you know what I mean what do you need like if somebody was like oh I'm traveling five days a week and I have three kids I'd get to know what's going on with the kids why yeah, do they need yeah. to be home things like that and they, and they remember that so that was my approach to building my brand yeah. but even now I'm still trying to figure out well now that I'm coming back to the market what am I going to do to differentiate myself because yeah. in the two years I've been gone I don't know, like at least 25 new dynamics agencies have come up. People I've never heard of before who are yeah. making good money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's really interesting how you put that. So that's, as you quite rightly said, your reputation, that's your reputation, what you're talking about right yeah. there, right? So for me, it's like, and this is what I started doing when I was in recruitment and now I've continued to do this, massively helped me. It's just about, it's about bringing that online and not just keeping that in the one-on-one -on -one conversations and the one-on-one -on -one meetings. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. Because I think that that's what recruiters have obviously continuously done is they've worked their socks off to build that reputation and it has been in those one-on-one -on -one conversations and the networking events and all those things, right? So for me, it's like you should continue doing that, mm -hmm. continue doing that. However, you need to now think about how you can then bring that online and, sh and share and share with more people how you're helping people what you're why you spend time to talk to people and those things you get what I mean Absolutely. so what's your view on that and like how are you going about how are you thinking about that as a as an experienced recruiter yeah that's a really interesting point I never used to put content on LinkedIn um, because that my for whatever reason kind of mindset of my previous firm was uh, if you write something and somebody doesn't like it, well, that's bad press for you. <laughs> and so I was so nervous to write anything, yeah. especially anything that was like decisive and would make people take a, a stance either for or against it, mm. that I would wind up pissing the wrong person off who could be a hiring manager. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm like, you know what? That's fine. You're going to piss some people off. Yeah, of Go talk about your opinions online because people will remember the ones that are continuously coming up on LinkedIn. LinkedIn's like Facebook for some of these people. I mean, they love scrolling through well, that feed. Yeah, scrolling through that feed every single day. Yeah. And it's not just about like, putting a meme up like that's no, no, I'm no, hiring no. you know people are sick of that stuff but actually writing things or posting things um if you write a small article about what's happening in your market yeah. and it's written well people are going to yeah, read yeah. it so is that how you're going to approach it you're going to add that to your tools I, to have I a point so. of difference I think so it's nerve-wracking because you know a lot of people be, oh your content's crap or da, da, da. but the thing is you can't stop you need to just try to get better at what you're doing yeah, and course. that's what I'm trying to do and learn from other people in the market who are doing it yeah yeah I think no I think that's really good and I think all I'd say is like just 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 don't overcomplicate it I think what what I started doing was 
very quickly just started talking about online the conversations I was just having as a as a recruiter. So it was I know it's very generic, but it's because I had about five conversations with candidates who never got interview feedback. That was one of the first videos I did about why I think it's so important to get interview feedback and that's why I'll continue to, even if it's the worst feedback ever, I'm going to give it to you because I know how important it is that you've given your time and all those things. And then also then it's like, um, what I also started doing a lot as well, which would be difficult because you're in the UK, but I always used to go out of my way to do things with the candidates that are placed and those things. So I started, when I could, when it wasn't, controversial I'd take a picture with them and all those things yeah, you know what yeah, I mean yeah. so it's like it's just um it's just be just trying to obviously you don't have to be that creative no. I think I think recruiters are in a really 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 unique position to create content and, and share their opinion because you're speaking to the businesses and understand the businesses challenges within mm-hmm. the market and then you're speaking to the people that work in the market and understand their challenges yeah so if you can be the soundboard for both of those and go well today guys i've actually had a three four conversations and this and these types of businesses all having this challenge what, what do people think and how can we overcome this blah, blah blah i spoke to 10 candidates this week who've all said that working from home would be really beneficial and this is why do, do you yeah, know what i mean absolutely. so i think i think that that's the thing it's like Obviously, you're doing it anyway. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like you said, you're getting to know these people. You're getting to learn, and it's just about bring it online. You, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Bring, bring it on online, and and it it works. Yeah, I actually emailed um like my top ten clients and asked all of them, well, what is the most annoying thing that recruiters do Perfect. that make it that you don't want to speak to them? And so I'm just like writing something that I'll put up on LinkedIn. Um, and some of the yeah, clients are like, that's really good point. And that that's what I started doing towards the end of recruitment. And I always give this advice: is yeah, you're speaking to the people every single day that you that's ask your audience. Them. So you want to yeah, yeah. ask them, but obviously no one. Well, obviously, when you got into recruitment, no one's going, yeah, so um, think, like, when you're qualifying that person, yeah. talk to them about what app they spend the most time on or what yeah. social platform they're on the most time or, like, what they Absolute, hate about recruiters, you know yeah. what I mean? Because, again, it is that, that mindset where if you're on the phone and you speak to a client and you've got all the normal recruitment stuff going in your head, but yeah. also you're going, oh, God, that's the third time someone said that bullet point content idea, it's bullet point content all idea. All the time. Do you know what I mean? Just all the time. And I think that's a great way to do it. Just come up with lists of content ideas yeah. from the conversations that you have and all actually ask these people yeah do you know what i mean i, I mean if they're going to be your readers ask your readers what they want to read about exactly you know yeah. and do a video if that's cool do a yeah, podcast or, like that or, whatever or write something. yeah i think exactly that i think how you're talking about and the approach is exactly that it's it's not about you yeah. it's about the audience yep. and you're talking to your audience every single day 100%. so it's like really take advantage of that and i think the the smart recruiters will do that and they're the people that will be willing to share stuff online um, and you will have a point of difference and, and an advantage, right? Yeah. Um, so look, before we um, wrap up, I always like to talk about mindset. Yeah. So you've mentioned a few times that you realise your ego is getting in the way and all these things. So yeah. I guess, was there a moment where you realised like, fuck, okay, I'm, I'm probably being, I'm getting in my own way here and those things. Like, was there any particular moment that, that happened or anything, any, anything worth talking about there? Yeah, absolutely. I think the biggest thing was when I came here and I just thought, well, I did well before, so I'll do well again yeah. and really held myself to such a high standard. When in my first, like, the, it was coming to almost three months and I hadn't done a single deal. Really? And I was starting to feel really, really bad about myself and I was like, God, I'm not that How'd you good. deal with those? How'd you deal with that? yourself personally how do you deal with that real shit time yeah I, I just well I relied on my friends in recruitment who would you know be positive but the biggest thing was I went to my CEO and I was like I don't know what I'm doing wrong I don't know what I'm mm. doing wrong and I so said you had to have the humility yeah and I said I'm, I'm scared I'm, I'm gonna fail mm. and just to say it out loud yeah. it's okay to fail and I was just like I'm scared I'm gonna fail and he looked at me and he said you won't but if you do 
it's okay because yeah, there's yeah. always next month. And just be, I don't know, the biggest thing for me is just to be able to kind of say your fears out loud. Yeah, so that helps. Yeah, that helps. And um, and then when I didn't do so well in the German market, it reminded me that, um, you know, anybody, you know, one day you're top dog and next you're at the bottom of the leaderboard. <laughs> so, you know, like leave, check your ego at the door yeah, and yeah. come in and try to be better than you were the day before. And the biggest thing was um, now that I'm writing content and doing some other things, it made me fall in love with recruitment again. Yeah. And if you're out of love with what you're doing, you're never going to be able to deliver well yeah, to your yeah, clients, yeah. candidates. Or so, so you didn't company. really, so there, was there any other habits or anything that you found yourself doing quite a lot when you blanked for three months and like you literally felt shit or was that it? Like, talking out loud sharing how you felt instead of bottling up and those things was there no other tactics that you found yourself doing to cope with the fucking shit months in, in recruitment i read a lot of self-help books i really? know it sounds silly but like things that because i get a lot of anxiety all the time mm. i've listened to some of your stuff yeah, on, yeah. on mental health and anxiety and stuff um but for me it was just reading um different pieces whether it was articles or or full you know, books about how to manage when you feel like you're failing. Mm. And so for me, it was like, you got to fix your mindset. You know, mm. I had a bad attitude and really? I was not going to go because when I don't do well, I'm really hard on myself. Right. So yeah. I had a bad attitude going yeah, into I'm it. I'm really hard on myself as well. Yeah. It's, it's easy to do that, isn't it? Yeah. hundred percent. I was just like, well, I suck. So no, I think that's really good. And I think again, that's look, you've got a, you've got to be willing to learn yourself to, equip yourself with the the right tools and right habits to go through the shit times not in life and also obviously in recruitment right because it's Anything. fucking difficult it's hard yeah and um especially when i remember yeah I, I, it took me um like two or so months to make my first deal but then yeah i mean not billing for three months is that's fucking difficult to deal with do you know what i mean <laughs> especially when you've gone from billing whatever you was yeah and the thing is like there will be a lot of recruiters that will make moves and it will be really difficult so i think Again, it is hopefully more and more people can, because not, this is what I always say is like, no one teaches you how to deal with those shit times. No. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, yeah, pick, can everyone pick up the phone? There's yeah. no, there's no conversation around, well, actually like maybe you should go for a walk or I don't know. There's no conversation around Hisham if you are feeling like nothing's working and you've been rejected and yeah. been told to fuck off all day, <laughs> like maybe try this do you know what I mean so was there anything that you discovered through that period then that really helped yeah the biggest thing was um go home like really? I used to work till really really late at night I'd burn myself out and then I'd I would get crappy sleep and I'd wake up in the morning and be back up at my desk ah, at eight that's good advice. and sometimes you just need to go I've done enough I'm going home can you switch off though it, it's really you don't hard. strike me as someone that you can switch off <laughs> it's really really it's hard, hard for me. It? it's hard especially in recruitment it's... especially in recruitment i'm a new yorker i mean like we're wired for like yeah, you know yeah, yeah. anxiety stress and just yeah. like a sense of yeah yeah how like, did you try and sw switch stress. off then did you like turn your emails off when you got home did you i uh switched email off um at as soon as i left my office like just really nice. easy weekends no email and Ooh. then i read somewhere that you need um one job that keeps you in shape one job that keeps you creative and one job that makes you money Ooh. and so that's kind of the mantra that i live by now so i have all those three things i go to the gym at lunch every day i write as my oh, creative that's really, outlet that's really simple I like and that. recruitment makes me money it's not my my life anymore yeah so what i wanted to ask you because you mentioned money quite a few times <laughs> so what no that's cool but what, I, what i'd be interested to get your thoughts on is when you did make money and yeah. you did do quite well, 400k, I'm sure that that was pretty good, a pretty good paycheck. Not bad. So when uh, that got shouted out in the office, he was pretty happy. Um, how did you feel? No different than when I was making no money. Yeah. And that is the truth. Weird, isn't it? It's so weird. It's, I remember because 
I remember I got uh, the biggest paycheck I've ever got in recruitment. And I was like, I looked at it. I was like, I don't feel anything. No. It's weird, isn't it? So I was curious to get that because you was like, money, 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 money. But and then when you actually got it, didn't feel anything. I was always chasing a dollar sign or a pound mm. sign, I guess. And when I went through the months or year or whatever, when it wasn't going that well, um, if anything, I think it made me a better recruiter because I thought about what I was really doing. Yeah. And if, if you're a happy recruiter, if you're coming and you like your job every day, you're just going to do a better job yeah. instead of being like, oh my God, I have to do another yeah, job. Yeah, yeah. So what did you learn from that? Anything interesting there? Because I think that's really interesting to talk about. I learned that I'm not as money motivated as I always thought I was. Really? I'm really not. What are you more motivated by now then? What, what have you realized? Um, fueling my passions. Mm. Realized that like creating something, um, mm. writing was a much bigger passion of mine. Yeah. And if I can integrate that into the job that I do that makes me money, I'm just going to be a happier person mm. all around. Um, so. And what about the people part? Like, do you get a real buzz off that? Like, that, That's always been a buzz for me. I love my candidates. I've known them for like you said, yeah, like yeah, yeah. seven plus years. Um, so keeping the relationships with the candidates and the clients I work with, coming back to a market, it's like being welcomed home. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just the best. I had a client tell me the other day, "Oh my God, where have you been?" Oh, that's class. <laughs> you know, so that's, uh, I think that is one of the really, really, really cool parts about recruitment. Is generally, I still speak to people that I'm friends with now right? like, when I used to recruit in the market, and I think it is that people part that is um, just really addictive. Even though at the same time, it's fucking horrible because <laughs> it's those people that just can fuck up your day big oh my time. God, Do you know what yeah. I mean? heartbreak yeah, yeah exactly no, no I, I'm, I'm thank you for sharing that because i think again i experienced this the exact same thing i know there'll be a lot of people that do have these big 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 paychecks and then i don't feel anything and i think that's why i think it's really interesting now how recruitment businesses sell recruitment because mm-hmm. i think if they are leading with 100k first year 100k first year not sure if that's going to excite as many people as it used to. Do you get what I mean? Millennials and, and Gen uh, Z are motivated. I read something really interesting that said that they're motivated more by the ethos of the business that they that's go to I mean, work yeah. for. I've read a lot about that. Yeah. And that's not surprising, I don't think. It's going to change recruitment. Mm. It is. Because people are not, we're not now working in economies where we're like, oh my God, we have to get a job. Otherwise we'll be broke. People are like, I want to work for a business. Yeah. Where I feel good about going to work every day. And that's going to vary. And that's yeah. why each recruitment business. Yeah, so it's going to affect the actual, the type of recruiter that comes through the door or, or wants to work for you and 100%. also the people that you're dealing with on a daily basis from a candidate perspective as well. A hundred percent. Interesting. Well, look, this has been fun. Yeah, this has been really <laughs> fun. Thank you for having no, I always, me. Um, I always ask what, what you're excited about. Um, obviously, seems like you're excited about going back to the US market. Yeah, I mean, I love living here, so there's no active plans to move back at the moment. But doing this US market has been the... Mo- this- Why do you love London, by the way? How uh, so? You lived in New York, do you say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how different are they? Because um, I want to go to New York this year, like big time. It's on the like. Oh yeah, I'll to tell do. you all the good places to go. <laughs> New York is amazing. It's very similar to London. I do think there's something that's a bit slower about the pace of London, really, because you get a lot of people who actually live like an hour and a half outside London who come into work every yeah, day. Yeah. And with New York, it was always chasing the Joneses, like bigger, better. Really? Yeah. And so yeah, just a quick one on that actually. Yeah. Because there'll be a lot of recruiters who will get fucking spammed all day about Rectorex saying <laughs> you can get a job in New York. What is what do people need to think about? Because I actually lived with a guy who made the move to New York, and yeah. he actually he really suffered from anxiety. Everything and was like, "Fuck this! What the hell have I done?" Yeah. So I guess any 
from your perspective, like if I'm a UK recruit and I'm and I've got this opportunity to move to New York, yeah, is it anything that these guys really need to consider before they take the leap to understand the difference? It sounds so cheesy, but New York is like the hardest city to make it in. Really, if you're from there, but if someone's looking for their bored mundane life is just repeat every day. Go to another country, and if it's New York, is an amazing place to move to, mm. and it will make you a better recruiter. It'll open your eyes up to experiences that you've never seen before, the same way London has done for me. But understand that whatever anxiety level you're feeling here, it's going to be times ten in New York. It is really? such a fast-paced city. Everything it moves at lightning speed. Really? That's. I mean, listen to how I talk. You know what I mean? <laughs> I've only had one cup of coffee today. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but so you can really feel that energy always, constantly always, in your face. Always, always. And all, there are other that. cities too, but New York. I mean, I don't even consider myself American. I just consider myself a New Yorker. Really, really? it's a different. It's a different animal. It's a different beast. But if you have the chance to go go understand it might leave you broke and with a broken heart but it'll be so worth the ride really okay i love that well look i always um ask people at the end if, if you could could uh, if you could communicate to every recruiter out there they'd listen and take on your advice what would you say what would you uh talk to them about could be a phrase a sentence a word what would you say to all the recruiters out there if you're gonna do this do it a hundred percent this is not a job it's an opportunity so take advantage of it love it Look, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so Thanks much for, for having me. No worries. Thanks a lot.